Remember, freedom is a gift from God. Choose to accept it, guard it, nourish it, share it with your loved ones. Don't let anyone take it from you. Choose to be free. Learn how to choose freedom with your host, Dr. Baruch Platner. Welcome to the show, my friends. You know, uh, today we're going to continue talking about um, the assault on liberty that is taking place all over the world. And not only on liberty, but on our very way of life, down to our refrigerators, our cars, our ability to eat what we want, and, and so on. And you know, one of the things that um, really amazed me, I scanned Twitter because it's kind of like being away a little bit, right? It's, it's, it's gulping up huge quantities of information and then uh, letting it out through kind of a sieve that I have in my mind and seeing what may stick there because it's a little bit unusual, a little bit different. And that's, how, that's kind of a mechanism that I use to see what's, uh, what's been going on, what, what is, how, how is this project to enslave us progressing. And to what degree the people uh, that want to enslave us are uh, willing to uh, let something slip. And there was such a tweet uh, recently, just, I don't know, last week or something like that, uh, in which uh, from the official blue check account of the mayor of LA, I guess Eric Garcetti, but not from his name, but the account is mayor of LA. And what the tweet said was something like this. I'm paraphrasing close, closely. It said, it's 3 p.m. now, so turn off your major appliances, unplug everything, you, everything you're not using, set your thermostat to 78 degrees Fahrenheit, or even better, uh, switch to cooling with a fan rather than with, a, with an air conditioner, uh, because we all have to save power. We all have to save energy. And um, as I was reading this tweet, and it seems you know, to some folks it may seem innocuous, but to me it seemed um, brutal and very, very sad. And there are several reasons for it, and also a bit of a game changer. And there are several reasons for it. Um, one is that uh, California has been, has, has been experiencing rolling uh, blackouts and grayouts simply because its grid, its generation capacity is insufficient. It's been hot, above 100 degrees in uh, many places in California, and uh, especially those places where many people live. And of course, folks who have been using their um, air conditioners. And uh, the grid capacity is just not up to snuff. But the question is why? I mean, is this an act of God? We live in an environment in which uh, oil and natural gas are plentiful and cheap. I mean, again, I'll say it again, plentiful and cheap. There is absolutely zero shortage of 
coal, oil, and natural gas. In fact, there is a glut of those um, uh, hydrocarbons. There's an absolute glut of them on the market, and they're cheap. So we have what to burn. Now the question is, do we have how to burn it efficiently and cleanly? Do we have the technology? And the answer is a resounding yes. We absolutely have technologies to cleanly, efficiently burn hydrocarbons in order to make electricity. You know, my dad in Israel was, he headed up the civil engineering department for the Israeli utility company and he designed the structures for power plants. And um, as I was an engineering student and so on and we were talking about it, he often described to me the scrubbers and all the technology that goes in to the uh, smokestacks of those power plants. He was talking in this case, in his case, about coal-fired ones and how they try to trap not only the particles, not try, but trap, not only the particles, but even the various, uh, they call them NOx, in other words, the various uh, nitrate oxides, gases that can cause things like acid rain and so on, as well as various sulfur compo compounds. And they do it with near 100% efficiency. In other words, the emission into the atmosphere is almost pure CO2, which is a absolutely harmless gas, no matter what the hoaxers on the progressive side tell you. And, um, and that was with coal. With natural gas, it's even cleaner because there are fewer residues of, of combustion. There's still the same amount of CO2, but less... Uh, fewer other particles and other compounds. <clears throat> so, um, we have this technology. So the question is, what's going on in California? Well, what's going on in California is that, they, that, that, that as these plants that they have to manufacture electricity aged, they didn't replace them, they didn't refurbish them. Uh, they, shut, they shut many down and they didn't invest in nuclear generation either. So they simply choked off their energy supply for no reason other than ideology. So let me repeat that. When, you, when it's 112 degrees outside, as it was on that day in, in, in LA, they're asking you to turn off your major appliances, which would include your refrigerator. Again, you, they're, they're asking you to turn off your refrigerator when it's 112 degrees outside okay and they're telling you to set your thermometer your thermostat rather to to 78 degrees which is unbearable 78 degrees is an unbearable temperature in which to work to live and so on and for no reason other than their corrupt ideology of enslavement. It has nothing to do with anything else. Even they themselves do not believe in the climate change hoax, okay? Even they themselves don't believe in it. It's all about enslaving you. And if you think about it more deeply, things can kind of become a little bit more clear. And I'll say something about that. You know, I, I've always asked myself, as I was watching these morons on the left with their insane green agenda, so-called, and whatnot, I've always, I often asked myself, well, 
Okay, okay, but just how dumb can they be? I mean, they know, you know, I know that the 20-somethings running around on the streets and setting things on fire and yelling, you know, things in people's ears with a megaphone or whatnot, I know that they don't know anything. But those who, those who let them loose, you know, on, on, on us, they know. And what they know is that the, the so-called green generation methods are A, not green, in other words, they're environmentally much more polluting than the combustion of hydrocarbons, and that they can never supply more than, at a stretch, 15% of demand. And 15 is like at an absolute maximum, and they can never exceed that, never especially not in highly populated areas like California or densely populated areas like California. And I'll say something about why the so-called green energy is, nothing, is, is not even close to green, in fact, is much more polluting than the combustion of hydrocarbons. If you think about things like um, solar panels, I've been involved in this manufacturing somewhat in my engineering years, and it's a highly polluting process. The, the, the creation of this film that employs the photoelectric effect to turn those photons, the light that hits it into electrons, is a highly polluting process akin to the production of semiconductors. When you talk about wind turbines, those are machines, huge machines, the production of which is polluting, the maintenance of which is polluting, and which don't last very long and need to be decomm decommissioned after only 10-15 uh, years as they're now doing in Germany and then you have to dispose of these enormous blades made out of fiberglass which includes which of course is built from <clears throat> glass fiber and mostly though epoxy resin which is made from oil okay which is made from the hydrocarbons the, after you separate the volatile fractions that are used for gasoline and for diesel you get left with the heavy fractions of, out of which all plastics, including epoxy, are made, okay? And those things are bl a blight on the landscape, they kill birds, and they don't last very long. They require massive maintenance with trucks, and then they don't last very long and have to be decommissioned. Nobody knows how to even dispose of this, of, of this much fiberglass uh, uh, in, 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 a, in an environmentally safe way, as well as steel, gears, motor oil, all that stuff that's in those machines. It's a machine, it's not fairy dust, as a lot of these idiots think. And it's exceedingly inefficient, ugly and dangerous. Uh, whereas the hydrocarbon burning plants are safe, do not produce anything to be disposed of hard, hardly. There's only some, some stuff that's, ca that's caught in the stacks, like I said. Uh, and those could be put in concrete and recycled in other ways. So they're doing it for purely ideological reasons. But my question was, okay, well, they know that they can never supply even 10, 15 percent. That's 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 the top, right? So what are they thinking? You know, what what's the plan? What's the plan? And it's and it's really kind of it bugged me that I could never understand what their plan really was when it came to this green agenda, I couldn't understand. So, so I, thought, I thought to myself, well, what are they going to do? They're going to just tell people to go without electricity and I could 
never imagine that yes, yes, that was exactly what they were going to do. They were going to tell us for the first time since the refrigerator was invented. I mean, the first refrigerators were in California, probably in, uh, you know, among the first places in the world. And I'm talking about the 1940s. Okay, so we're talking about 80 years, two generations coming on a third generation now that's using refrigeration in the house in order to keep our meat, our milk, our, our eggs fresh and healthy to eat. Now they're telling us to turn them off in the middle of a heat wave. What, mayor, what this mayor of LA account was basically telling the people in LA, millions of them, was that they're, they're supposed to be going back to substantially a pre-industrial age. I mean, think about it. In LA, in one of the supposedly most technologically advanced places in the world, the elected mayor was telling his constituents to go back to a pre-industrial age to, 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 to sacrifice the, their food safety because their government simply chose, and I repeat, chose, not to supply them with sufficient electricity. And it was a choice. It was not necessity, the summer heat had not do with it, and neither had any talk about uh, green or any, anything like that. They just are, these people, progressives, Bolsheviks, communists, fascists, Nazis, however you want to call them. In America, they're called the Democrats, I guess. Well, these people want to return us, want to return you, to a pre-industrial age. And I was thinking there's something beyond that too. What do you have in your fridge that spoils most quickly? Usually it's dairy and meat products, okay? So in other words, also fish. So in other words, if you have maybe a snapper that you bought yesterday in a, in a supermarket, a couple of steaks, some pork chops, maybe a chicken. If you have a gallon of milk, some yogurts. Those are the things that cannot live without refrigeration for very long at all. I mean, if you talk about uh, fresh meat, um, fresh dairy, fish especially, if it goes above, uh, you, you know, much above uh, 40 degrees Fahrenheit, for any amount of time, it becomes unsafe to eat quickly. And so, part of this agenda has to do with us, with, this, with, the, with, the, with the subjects of their slavery drive, or the objects of their slavery drive, giving up on nutritious, caloric foods also delicious foods, for some sort of foods that they want to push on us. Maybe right now it's this vegan diet, because you know what? Beans don't spoil that quickly. Okay? So they want us to eat lentils and coconuts. 
and 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 if they if they're thinking that if they're going to cut our means of refrigeration that is going to be part of what does the trick and i don't know that there is some cabal that necessarily is planning all of this out but it's part of it they have this agenda that is coming together and and driving that those ideas those ideas of denying us the comforts the basic comforts of civilization denying us the right to consume nutritious delicious food of our choice and enslaving us in every sense of the word to their wishes that is what that is what's going on and that is what that tweet seemingly innocuous has told me told me that my god they're really going to do it they're really going to leave us without power without electrical power which we consider to be an absolute basic necessity for life and not and it is in today's city cities electrical power is an absolute basic necessity for life or of life and they're going to deny us that more on that in the next segment think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized the best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health sleeping better full of energy and focus we know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep but it doesn't have to be that way there haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now Healthy Cell Pro is the only multi-nutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. To unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. We are the vision of the voices. Welcome to the new era in communications. America Out Loud Talk Radio. So we talked um, in last segment about how incredible as it may seem those forces that want to enslave us in short in america the democrats and their voters incredible as it may seem they are on a drive to deny us the basic use of electricity it's it's crazy but it's true if you don't believe me look at california and by the way if you live in a so-called red state, Wyoming, Idaho, North Dakota, Texas, you name it, Florida, don't really think that it's not coming to you. Because 
there are differences between 1776 and 2020, many differences. And among the most profound, of course, is technology. And technology like power generation does not very well yield itself to um, border lines between states. Okay. Uh, I know, I know that, you know, I know that uh, a state like Florida may choose to build more nuclear plants, uh, invest more in generation from uh, hydrocarbons and so on. So, yes, it does offer a, le a level of protection to its citizens. But the investments that are involved in this kind of stuff and the fact that the grid in the US is, I guess you could say federal, in other words, it, and it must be in order for it to really function. Uh, the, 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 uh, those electrons that are running down the transmission power lines or the power transmission lines rather, they don't know that they have just crossed from Florida to Georgia or <clears throat> from, you know, North Carolina to South Carolina. And um, the controls and so on are very sophisticated of this power grid. They also are sub substantially integrated. So the states alone, it does offer you a degree of prote protection if, you, if your state is managed by sane as opposed to insane people. But that degree of protection is uh, not at all ironclad. And um, if, God forbid, the power of the progressives in America uh, becomes more than it was what it is now, in other words, if they manage to get rid of President Trump in November and take over the House and the Senate, well, this policy of denying you, us, our basic right of uh, having refrigeration and air conditioning in our house, it will go into overdrive. They will, they're going to do it. They are going to do it. They're going to deny us the use of electricity and following that, deny us the use of gasoline. They're going to, just as they're killing the electric grid, they're going to kill uh, a refinery or refining capacity for higher grades of hydrocarbons, in other words, diesel and, and, and um, petroleum, gasoline, and they're going to make it so that uh, they're going to force you into giving up your V8 trucks and SUVs in favor of uh, uh, initially smaller cars, then hybrids, then non-plug-ins. And once they do that, and they regulate electricity, they will also be able to regulate how much you drive. Because by the way, in order for you to recharge your, the battery in your electric car, in your plug, in your Tesla, if you're rich enough to have one, you have to have some juice coming out of that socket in your garage. And if that juice is 100% controlled as it is by the powers that be, then guess what? the mileage that you can put on your Tesla is also controlled by them. So that's, that's what they want. They want this absolute control. And, and if you think about it, 
like I do, from a kind of technological, scientific, engineering perspective, then what is the weapon of control? What is the means of control that those insane progressives have? And that, the, that their weapon is the electron. Okay, an electron is a subatomic particle that exists in an atom. So, you know, we think of an atom, it's an inaccurate model, but it will serve. We think of an atom as having a nucleus made of protons and neutrons surrounded by kind of a cloud of these small, almost weightless, but not weightless, charged particles we call electrons. And these electrons have a tendency, when you talk about conducting materials like copper, <clears throat> gold, and so on, nickel, they have a tendency to run around, in other words, to leave, leave their nuclei behind and kind of run around in groups. From where there's a lot of them, which we call negative charge, to where there's not that many, which we call positive charge. And that behavior, that freedom that the electrons have to run around, has been harnessed by man since, oh, late 19th century, so only for about hundred and, uh, I don't know, substantially 120, 130 years for power and more recently for information because it is the electrons that are used to show you how much money you have in your bank account, in your 401k, in your stock portfolio. It's electrons that power the device that you're using to look at that information. It's electrons that drive your electric car if you have one, your refrigerator, your air conditioner, and so on. And these electrons, because they are, by the nature of that technology, because they're kind of governed from above. Now, you know, in the first years that uh, electrical devices, you know, light bulbs and things like that uh, became a thing in the world and in America, the generation of them involved local plants. You know, every substantial city had a, a coal-fired or a heavy oil-fired uh, plant for, for generating substantially this huge potential between minus and plus and driving those electrons, right? And that thing was controlled by the local authority or by the, by the state. Wasn't that integrated into anything else, the grids uh, for distribution of those electrons, for th those great rivers of electrons that, that go on the high voltage lines, <clears throat> the, the transformation uh, facilities which transform them from high voltage low current to higher current lower voltage and so on. Those were all kind of localized and not integrated. Well, those days are gone. Since then, this grid has been totally integrated using electronics and computerized controls. It does not stop, as I mentioned in the previous segment, you know, in, in, at, at any kind of state borderline. It's completely federalized. And so an electron, of course, is an electron. An electron doesn't know if it's used to power your refrigerator or to flicker your dis the display on your smartphone or to store something in your memory in the memory of your laptop an electron is an electron <clears throat> but what i'm trying to get at, to get at is that 
all of these electrons, whether they're used for power or for information, are now controlled 100% by the nameless federal bureaucracy we, we call the deep state. And that bureaucracy is part and parcel of the drive to enslave us, to control us, and to, to have us do what they want us to do and not do what they don't want us to do. And since we are so addicted to these electrons, and especially if we live in, uh, in highly densely populated areas and we fully depend both for power, in other words, for keeping warm, for keeping cold, for keeping our temperature livable, for storing our food, for uh, commuting and so on, we depend and getting information very crucially, we depend so much, so heavily on these electrons. Well, <clears throat> we've allowed ourselves to become enslaved. To, not to the electron, because it's just a subatomic particle, but to those people who controlled, who, sorry, who control the electron. And unfortunately, we, i.e. we the people, have lost control of the people that control the electrons. All of this would have been just fine had we the people retained the control we used to have of the people that lord it over us. Okay? Because especially in the West, in America and Western Europe, we the people had had a measure of control over those who control our technology and control those electrons. But we gave it up. We kind of sold it cheap. And now we substantially don't have it. We may have yet a semblance of it, but we are on the very, very verge of losing it. And this election, this American election in November 3rd, on November 3rd, is when we may lose it completely. And this is where also this election is becoming kind of like a Armageddon, kind of the like the final battle of the forces of light and the forces of darkness, the forces of freedom and the forces of enslavement. And, you know, our side, the forces of freedom are not coming into it in good shape. And the reason I'm saying that is not because I don't think that President Trump will not get re-elected fairly. It's more so because I'm thinking that it doesn't matter because they won't let him keep the White House. In other words, um, they will throw it to the courts. And of course, I'm far from being the only one who's saying it. It's all over Twitter by many blue check accounts and so on. Uh, not only Twitter. Um, they're just going the other side, the sons of darkness, they're just, even if uh, it's a landslide, they're just going to say, well, no. We want this, that, the other. Something crazy. Something about as crazy as turning off your refrigerator when it's 112 degrees outside, okay? So they may say, well, as things stand now, Trump has 400 electoral votes, so it looks like it's a landslide, but. But, and with that but, 
they will go to the courts. And the courts will have substantially this question hanging in front of them. Those people, those judges, those justices, it will undoubtedly go to the Supreme Court, end up in a Supreme Court. And those nine people are going to have to answer the question, which way is Western civilization going to go? Is it going to go the way of people like Bill Gates and Jack Dorsey and Jeff Zucker, uh, what's his name, Zuckerberg, for, what's his first name? <laughs> Forgot, David? Um, are they going to be controlling the, our fates? But also people like Warren Buffett and themselves, themselves as well. Those Supreme Court justices, they, they themselves, are there, they're going to ask themselves a question. Are we, meaning when they think about it themselves, are, are those 0.0001% elites going to be determining the fate of humanity? <coughs> Excuse me, or are we going to let the people do it? Okay, now in 1776, people like Benjamin Franklin, who was among the top scientists of his time, and very well educated, and of course John Adams and people like that, uh, Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, they were all very, very well educated. They were the 0.0001% elite of their time. And yet they had made the choice. They consciously said, you know what? The people, in other words, you know, the guy who is banging all day with a hammer making in the horseshoes, okay, and next guy over, you know, who makes saddles, and the, the guy who's using the horseshoes and the saddles in order to plow, to plow his field, they, in aggregate, are smarter than us. And also beyond that, they said, well, maybe they're smarter than us in aggregate, or maybe they're not, but it's their own fates and it is godly it is right it is just that they in other words the saddle mark maker the, the the blacksmith the farmer it is just and right and godly that they themselves they themselves determine their fate rather than us the elites the educated elites so they made that choice 244 years ago in America. Well, my friends, I have exactly zero faith in our elites today, including the Supreme Court, making that same choice. In other words, when they are faced with the decision whether to keep Mr. Trump in the White House and with that keep not even the power but some power in the hands of today's blacksmiths 
and farmers and saddle makers, in other words, the small business owners, the engineers, the dental assistants, and so on, or to throw Trump out of the White House and to finally take all the power in the hands of their own hands, substantially, in the hands of people like them, those 0.0001 percenters, I have zero doubt, my friends, unfortunately, that they will choose the opposite of what America's founding fathers chose 244 years ago. In other words, the Supreme Court of America will choose to throw Trump out of the White House, no matter what size his victory, his real election victory is, and to give all power to those so-called elites, including themselves. That's what they will choose. More on that in the next segment. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. Welcome back to the show, my friends. So, <laughs> I finished the last segment on a rather pessimistic note, saying that it doesn't matter what size landslide Trump wins with. What matters is that the Democrats will throw it to the courts and it will go all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court will have a choice to make between well, I guess I would say something like tyrannical globalism and some sort of limited freedom, the same limited freedom that we're experiencing, let's say, today. And I also mentioned that I have no doubt that the Supreme Court will choose tyrannical oligarchy. In other words, they will choose, they will rule against Trump and the ruling will negate the election, throw it to the Democrats, and with it throw Trump out of the White House and negate, destroy, annul, wipe out even the limited freedoms that we enjoy today. So get ready to unplug your refrigerator, folks. Now, there is a caveat to that. And by the way, uh, on the Supreme Court, those justices, of course, are not only apolitical, they're the most political 
people that have ever lived and that are currently living. The idea that just judges are apolitical is the worst kind of uh, propaganda that has ever existed. And if any one of you believe it, then I'm sorry, my friends, but that's, you're just naive. And, and it's not only <clears throat> um, some sort of naivete, it's also lack of knowledge of how the system is set up. The American founding fathers never intended for the judiciary to be apolitical. In America, first of all, some judges in, on some state levels are even elected. The DAs are elected. They're all political. But then the other judges are appointed by whom? By, polit by politicians, by elected politicians. So, of course, they're political. Of course, they're political. And why, that's why they, the Founding Fathers put in place the system of check and balances where the president nominates uh, judges for the federal judiciary and then including the Supreme Court and then the Senate has to approve them, vote them up or down. Uh, the Founding Fathers knew full well that these judges would be political animals who would rule according to their political beliefs and they would be appointed by presidents and either supported or not supported by senates based on those political beliefs so there was never any idea or desire for judges to be apolitical and it would be silly even to desire it because people are never apolitical i mean maybe a scientist who kind of dwells deep in some lab has the luxury of being apolitical but a jurist who is on a federal bench deciding policy, substantially, has no luxury of being apolitical. So that, and there's no law, they're not deciding based on any law. They're deciding based on their own very political, highly politicized worldview, that's all. That's how we get, that's how we got Roe v. Wade, you know. Abortions are not in the Constitution. They would have horrified the Founding Fathers. And yet they decided that that was a human right. Same with gay marriage and other abominations. So none of this is based on any law. It's based entirely on politics. Roe v. Wade had a majority because the majority of uh, justices at that time in the 70s were left-leaning progressives. Same with gay marriage and so on. Well, so it is today. The Supreme Court does not, and I repeat, does not have a conservative majority today. To say that it does is laughable. Laughable. I mean, there may be, maybe, two non-globalist justices on the Supreme Court, Justice Thomas and Justice Alito. All right? The rest of them are progressive globalists, including Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. And they just have slightly varying shades of progressive globalism. The only two people on Supreme Court who are on the side of freedom, on your side, are Thomas and Alito. Two out of nine. So, we're not looking at great odds here, my friends. <coughs> Excuse me. But, there is 
I would say a glimpse of hope, a kind of a caveat to what I'm saying. And this is it. If, as many, th many on our side think will happen, if it indeed happens, that lots of Trump supporters go and vote in person, and, and here is the most critical part, if enough minorities do it, in other words, if Trump gets historic margins among Hispanics and <clears throat> blacks in America, so you're talking about better than 40% of Hispanics and better than 10% of blacks, let's say, and if his total victory, not only in the Electoral College, but in the states that swing the Electoral College, I'm not talking about the popular vote, that doesn't mean anything, but I'm talking about the vote in states like Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Minnesota, <clears throat> New Hampshire even. If in those swing states, Trump's victory is not on the margin, Michigan, like, like it was in 2016. You know, in 2016, he, he won these states by very narrow margins in most cases. Well, if this time around, if he wins those states by more massive margins, so he has not only an electoral college landslide, which, we had, which he also had in 2016, but he also has a kind of a unimpeachable, you could say, electoral college landslide because the states that made it so were decided at least on election night by vast majorities. That may <clears throat> yet save our bacon. And the mechanism for saving our bacon is as follows. Those uh, anchors in the studios, in CNN, in Fox, in ABC, CBS, NBC, they will all have election night coverage. They will all have their marching orders from the globalist elites. And when the real results start coming in, and even before that, when they first see the secret, quote-unquote, exit poll results and get their final marching orders, they will kind of have a sense where it's going, maybe. And when the final results start coming in, <clears throat> these people will also have a choice to make. They will have to make a choice whether they stick to the scripts that were given to them by the DNC or by whatever organ the globalist <clears throat> progressive choose to, dis to dispense those orders, whether they stick to that script, anti-Trump obviously script, and say, wait, 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 it only looks like he's winning, but he's not really winning, and so on and so on. Or if 
the votes in those swing states are so massively pro-Trump, pro-Trump. They may have they may have difficulty sticking to that script to the, because they will be just like, okay, well, <clears throat> look at this, you know, Michigan is all red except for, you know, this and that neighborhood in Detroit. <clears throat> or, you know, whatever congressional district the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor is. But everything else is red. Massive margins per, per each, you know, district. Well, in that case, they may have difficulty sticking to those scripts. And as they have difficulty sticking to those scripts, the pressure may mount on them to call the election. And if they call the election for Trump, it will be difficult for the Democrats to contest it in court, even though they undoubtedly will. There will be no concession speeches by Democrats, not by Biden or any other Democratic senator or even congressman, I don't think, but certainly not by Biden. They will still contest it. But when it comes to those judges first in the, in the district courts, before it gets to SCOTUS, If those judges perceive that Trump's victory had been so massive that it was called by the networks, and they know that it, if it had been called by the networks, it would have been in defiance of their orders. It would have been highly, with a great deal of reluctance. Those judges are also people. You know, they have to walk home or drive home at night and so on. And they may, to some degree, start fearing for their safety if they take it upon themselves to overturn a mandate from the people that was given with such resounding clarity that even the organs of Bolshevik progressive propaganda in America, i.e. E. the mainstream media, including Fox, that even if, even if those organs had to call it for Trump, I think that or the, the, the judiciary will have a rather difficult time following their own orders and overturning it. So, the victory for Trump in the swing states, that's the only place that counts, has to be both massive and diverse. In other words, he has to get historic margins from minority votes. And if that's what happens, I think we may have a chance, my friends. I think we may have a chance. And I think that battle, that, that victory in this battle may start, just start, turning the tide of war in our favor 
for the first time since Bush the father was elected president in 88. I mean, the globalists have run roughshod over America from 1988 until 2016 and Trump basically slammed the brakes on a runaway train. In other words, he, sla he slammed the brakes on this train of progressivism when it was not only running at full speed, but accelerating. And Trump just put the brakes down and <clears throat> as often happens in those types of situations, sparks, both metaphorical and not metaphorical, started flying. You know, coup attempts, disinformation campaigns, misinformation com uh, campaigns, court, uh, the usage of the court system as a political uh, uh, as a political weapon, political cudgel, all of that, right? I mean, insurrection within the ranks of the American intelligence uh, community, and actually in the military as well, if you look at people like Kelly, McMaster, and even the guy, forget his name now, who is currently the top guy who apologized that he walked with Trump from the White House to the church. <clears throat> so all of those are sparks. That's all. That's, that's, that's what happens when you slam the brakes when the train is going full speed. And these sparks came very close. To setting the whole train on fire. And in fact, small fires have begun. We see them in Portland, in Seattle, in Kenosha, in various other... They managed to shut down Manhattan for the first time since Manhattan was built. And no, this is not like the 70s. We're not talking about squeegee men and hold-up artists and... Times Square being full of peep shows, but still a bustling, great city. We're talking about things being shut down, boarded up. That's never happened before. Those, those sparks, they did manage to start a fire. Trump, in his first term, slammed on the brakes, but he wasn't really able to slow down the train that much. But... If he gets reelected, these small fires will be put out and he'll slam on the brakes even harder while also for the first time cutting back on the throttle. In other words, for the first time ever, Trump may actually get into that deep state inside the federal bureaucracy and enact some policies, really, that will amount to throttling back this onslaught, onslaught sorry, of progressive agenda. So now we may have a train that has the brakes on, but nobody's stepping on the gas. And that train eventually will come to a stop and the progressive agenda in America will be defeated. 
and hopefully we can all keep our refrigerators plugged in and our air conditioners set to our own comfort level which in my case is 68 degrees rather than 78 but you choose your own and that's the whole point the whole point of this exercise in america my friends is that we all have and should have the choice of which temperature to set our thermostats on. See you next time. Choose to be free.